Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow, the premier podcast for design professionals, whether you're just starting out or you've been around the block a few times. We're your go-to source for information about all the amazing things happening in the design industry, especially from a leadership and leadership development space, a communication space, and also a personal development space. Because I I always recognize that if we don't get better ourselves, how can we help anybody else get better? And so we are here today with June Jewell. She is a certified public accountant and the founder of AEC Business Solutions. June has been around the industry for some time now. I remember her the first time that I got into the industry back in 97, and she's still kicking strong and, and, and making a difference in the lives of many firm owners and in many firms. So June, it's so great to have you on the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. I was so delighted when you agreed to come on and join us, but um, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much, Randy. Oh, good, good, good. So we wanted to kind of bring you on because I think you can, you can really tell the story of what has been and what is and what is going to be from the perspective of design firms and how design firms are continuing to to try to stay relevant. We talked before the podcast about all the challenges that we know design firm leaders and design firm owners face on a regular basis. And, you know, the old school mentality, and I'm using air quotes here, is not, not going to survive long term in this space because the market is continuously changing. And more importantly than just the market changing, people change. And so these young kids that are coming out of school nowadays are a lot different. They have different expectations. They have different needs. They have different desires when they get into this space. And and unfortunately, as you know, we are not seeing enough people come out of school now with those coveted engineering degrees, with those coveted architectural degrees. And um, firms have to be much more proactive at reaching them even before they get to college to whet the appetites and the minds of young people to encourage them to get into the design industry, to be part of the design profession, because it really is a a very creative, a very challenging, and a a very awe-inspiring career that individuals can experience. But but more firms need to talk about that. And I, I know that you see that all the time. And you know, I being involved in this industry since 1997, I know you've been around a little bit longer than that. There have been a lot of changes, but the one thing that doesn't change is that people are looking to be edified in their workplace. They're looking to be edified in their careers, and design firms have to think long and hard about how they do that and especially engage this new generation of kids coming out of school. And and, and, and while we're, we're not going to spend the whole podcast talking about that, that is an important issue that firms are facing right now. And I'd, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, well, what we see and what I see on a regular basis is that firms just can't find enough talented, experienced people. And so I believe they have to rely on the younger people even more these days. They have to get them to be more productive faster. Uh, They have to move them more quickly in their careers. And, you know, really, there is an an expectation of that younger millennial and, and the next generation after that they are going to be uh, involved in the business and involved in helping the company at a much younger age. You mentioned the old school way of doing things. And the old school was you had to bide your time and put in your time for many, many years before you could become a project manager and eventually earn your stripes to be 
a firm leader, but the younger people aren't willing to stick around that long for that to happen. So giving them opportunities at younger age is really critical. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it goes without saying that that firms cannot let these young people that are coming out of school just sit on a shelf for a while until they gain this experience. It's almost like um, a baptism by fire, if you will, where they have to they have to really cut their teeth quickly and and uh, and learn as they go. So that um, they just don't have. I mean, firm leaders have to understand that you just don't have the luxury of time the way that we had in the past. And it, you know, things have just fundamentally changed. So I, I'd be curious to know, just just to kind of switch gears real quick, just to tell the audience a little bit about AEC Business Solutions. You've done a number of things over the years, and I'd love to just kind of learn a little bit about what you're doing now and how you're doing it. I know you've worked in the past with Dell Tech. You've done a, a, you, you've had a, a number of roles within this space. You've worked with a, a wide variety of firms a wide variety of consulting firms that serve the design industry. And so I would love to learn a little bit more about how you took and leveraged your financial accounting background and really moved nicely into this space of consulting design firms to help them grow and and find their sweet spot. Yeah, well, I've been in the industry since 1989. I, I worked at a CPA firm and we had engineering firms as clients and I would help them find accounting software to run their business. And I got involved with Wintu Software. I also ran the back office of an architectural firm for 15 years, which actually also gave me a lot of experience with engineers as well as architects. And, you know, learned a lot about how they run their businesses and, you know, became one of the top Dell Tech partners for 25 years. I've probably worked with well over 700 A&E firms just on the system side of things, helping them implement first Win2 and then Dell Tech Vision software. So uh, that's, that's really where a large foundation of my background came from. And about six years ago, I decided to write my book, Find the Lost Dollars. And the book was really pointing out to the, to the A&E firms that they're just losing money in so many small parts of their business. And if they just focus on it a little bit more, even a, a 2% improvement in their business practices can yield a lot of additional profit. And so that's basically what I do now. My company, AEC Business Solutions, is focused on going into firms that aren't meeting their full potential and helping them massively increase profits and help develop their employees so their employees are doing the right things every day and are prepared to lead the firm in the future. And uh, it's been very successful and we're, we're trying to innovate and come up with some new ideas and progressive ideas to help our clients really stand out in the marketplace, to be relevant, to take advantage of technology, and not just keep going on the way things have always been done. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I looked at your website and, and just all the areas that you, you I mean, you, you just, you point out all the issues that, that a lot, not all, but a lot of design firms struggle with scope creep, poor estimates, lost opportunities, slow cash flow for the inability just to collect the money that you're owed, damaged client relationships, project budget overruns, write-offs, and then poor employee and client retention. One of the, the biggest, the single factor between all those that I just mentioned is the the challenge and struggle that communication presents in this space. I'd be be curious if you would just talk a little bit about that, because that to me, as I started doing more 
talks about communication in the past few years, I realized how important of a subject and a topic that communication is, yet we never talk about it. And um, it is directly related to all these challenges that I just mentioned that are, that are highlighted on your website that you deal with. These are all, all relegated to poor communication. Yeah, well, you know, what I see is a big picture, a way of looking at this is that you go to architecture engineering school, you get out of college, and you go to work for a firm. And when you go to work for that firm, you are essentially working in a business. It's a business that has clients. It's a business that needs to make a living, to make money in order to prosper. Yet they never taught you anything about that in college. Right. And so you what happens with a lot of these uh, technical professionals is that they focus on their technical skills. They focus on the projects they're working on and keeping their head down and doing the work. And so they don't look at the business side of things as having anything to do with them, even though that's the environment they're operating in. They have contracts. They have clients with certain demands, expectations, and requirements. And when you have a firm, especially that has multiple offices, and uh, has evolved over time, and especially if a firm's done a lot of acquisitions, you end up with lots of different cultures, silos of people, and uh, the communication problems just expand greater and greater the more that you grow. And so one of the, the, there's a couple things that we look at when we're trying to work with clients to fix those communication problems. One is giving them all a common language to speak so that everybody can talk about things in the business the same way and understand what each other are talking about. A second thing that we work on with clients is what I call bottom-up leadership. And if you think about anybody who's been in the industry 10 or 15 years or even more, the way things always worked was you worked your way up the ranks of the firm, and then finally someday you get to be an owner or a principal or a leader And in that role, you then finally get to start making some decisions and contributing to helping the company be successful. And traditionally, the younger staff were not engaged in any of those areas. So what bottom-up leadership is, is recognizing that even the youngest people in your firm have really good ideas and can actually give you some insight as to what's working and not working. And a lot of firms really, a lot of firm leaders really don't know what's working or not working. They, they're kind of guessing because they really don't know what's going on in the ranks every day. And so, you know, some of the processes that we always help clients put in place is to try to get that feedback from the younger people and actually give the younger people a voice in the company and the ability to contribute to the company's success at a much younger age. So that really bolsters the communication because now you have the the older, more experienced leaders talking on a more regular basis and communicating at a different level with the young people. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, that I think what you're describing is bubble, what I like to call bubble leadership, leadership that is in a bubble or a vacuum. And it just doesn't, it doesn't seep out to the rest of the folks. And, you know, you, everybody needs an opportunity to kind of flex their muscle. I think we're all I mean, you know, this whole idea of a natural born leader, I I think is, I think leaders learn how to be leaders and you can only learn by example. And when 
if you're a leader or an owner of a design firm and you're not taking the time to really hold the hands of some of these younger people and give them opportunities to try some things and stub their toes and get back up again and dust themselves off and move forward, you're, you're really hampering their abilities to grow. And I see that as a major problem. So, so what, are, what are, I'm just curious, what are some of your simplest solutions for firms that may be struggling in this area where, you know, a, a leader listening to this says, you know what, June is so right. I'm definitely limit, limiting my ability to reach out to this, this younger group of people on our team and we're not engaging them enough. What, what are some simple things that, they, that firm, firm leaders and firm owners can do to change that? Well, you know, what we do when we go into a firm, uh, first of all, we try to figure out, number one, what is really going on? And what we find is the leaders have one view of what's going on and everybody else has another view. And, in, and actually, what we've really found out, which is even more interesting, is that there's a wide range of disagreement about what's going on. Right. Uh, many times, firm leaders believe they have solved a problem by putting in place a new practice or a new process. They may have automated that process. And then what we find when we go into a, the firm and look at what's really going on is that nobody is following any of those processes. And they, they have the belief that they've solved the problem when in fact they've tried to solve the problem, but the employees have not adopted either the new system or the new process and aren't using it. And so then you end up with a lot of inconsistency. So the real first step in any type of endeavor, any, any internal effort to try to improve business operations is to figure out where are we right now. In order to develop a roadmap to get to a better destination, you have to know where you're starting from. And the way we do that is with a business management assessment survey where we survey the employees and analyze nine areas of the business and figure out what is really going on here and how do they feel about what's going on. We like to get their honest, candid, anonymous feedback. And from there, then the leaders can actually analyze that information and have real data to base their decisions on. Because you really can't, can't really know what people are thinking unless you come up with a, a really good way to ask them. Yeah. Are you finding leaders and owners highly receptive to the feedback that they're getting when they do, you know, work with you to do these um, assessments? Or are you finding that there's still some pushback because of, as we said, as I said earlier on the podcast, that old wineskin thinking or old way of doing things? Is that still a hurdle that we have to overcome in this industry? Well, I definitely think it's a hurdle in the industry itself. Um, One of the things we do is we make sure we're working with leaders that are ready to hear the truth. Yeah. And um, actually, what's interesting, I actually believe it takes a lot of humility for any anybody to to get that kind of feedback. Because, again, if you really think you've gone and tried to solve a lot of problems and you find out the problems aren't solved, you need a lot of you have to be able to hear that. So um, a couple things. One is. We tend to work with leaders that are ready to hear it and, and they're ready to do something about it. Because if you just ask your employees for feedback and then you don't do anything about, you don't take any of their suggestions, that could actually backfire on you. So that's, that's one element of it. Another thing that's really interesting, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot, Randy, is that a lot of times the leadership team themselves don't agree with each other. 
and aren't on the same page. And what we have found is when we go through this process with them of getting the feedback, it tends to bring them as a team closer together and more focused on what needs to be done. So for companies that tell me, oh, well, we have a lot of disagreement and we need to gain consensus in our leadership team, this is the best way to start is by getting hard data that you can all sit down and review together and discuss and, and come up with some key takeaways and some des- desired actions moving forward. Yeah, that, and, that's, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head with regard to the, the disagreements that exist within the C-suites and leadership pools of these firms, because a lot of times you'll ask people and they'll think, ah, everything's great. And then you'll have somebody else on the team that's like, no, everything is not great. And you have to build consensus within that group first before you move out and work with everybody else. I think that's really important. I'm curious, I'm curious to know, do you think that there is enough mentoring going on in this space? Because I think a lot of it, a lot of it resides on that, right? If I'm, if I'm a young employee working at a firm and you know, I don't have a firm leader or some senior designer or senior engineer or senior architect that's kind of pulled me under their wings and is giving me some guidance and some feedback and, you know, kind of just helping me along the way, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage. And I just don't know that enough firms are doing, intentionally doing mentoring programs. And I'm curious is, is whether you concur with that or are you starting to see signs that firms are picking up the mantle when it comes to mentoring and mentorship and being are being very intentional about putting those programs in place. Yeah, you know, I see a lot of different approaches across the board and mentoring is is definitely involved in some respects in most firms, but what I think well there's two issues with the mentoring that goes on. One is it's very unstructured. So every employee is getting a different way of being mentored. And a a mentor doesn't necessarily know how to mentor. So I think training your mentors can actually be a really great strategy for mentoring your staff. Second of all, mentors tend to focus on the technical aspects of the work and not the business or client relationship aspects. So that's another thing to think about. Are our employees really getting the soft skills? Are they getting the the business understanding of, you know, how's why does a client care about their budget? All of those things that are really important. And then the third thing that I see with mentoring is that if you are trying to transform your organization to one that's more relevant and more modern, but your mentors are people with 35 years experience and, and still ingrained in doing everything the old way. In other words, you may have invested, you know, several hundred thousand dollars in your Deltec system, but the mentors are telling your employees, we, we don't really use that system. It's kind of cumbersome. So just ignore it and use the spreadsheet over here. Then you may be doing a disservice to the people that are being mentored. So I think it's really important to really look at what's happening with mentors and whether they are in fact providing the kind of guidance and the experience, the employee experience that you want your staff to have. Yeah. And it's, it, I know I, I recognize that even what we're talking about and suggesting for some firms is a major undertaking, right? Cause a lot of these firms are like, man, I'm just struggling just to get our, do our business and get our work out the door. Now you're telling me that I have to stop 
and think about how and where and why and the format through which we do mentoring of our team. And it's, I, I, I get it. It's a challenge. It, it really is. And I think people just need to figure out a way to start somewhere, whether they do the business assessment like that, that you're describing, or if they just start, you know, identifying individuals on the team that have a proclivity towards working with and reaching out to that younger generation, start using them to, to build a mentoring program. Cause you almost need mentors to mentor the mentors. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds crazy, but it's like, how do you know, like, like you said, I think there needs to be a mentoring school. This is how you do it. And, you know, I've, I've, in the past, I've spent time walking people through the best format to put a mentoring program together. It's actually not as hard as you think. People just have to be, again, the word is intentionality. People have to be intentional about how they share their information, their experiences, and you can't be caught up in this idea that, oh, you know, what was my experience was my experience and I don't think it would be helpful for anybody else. You don't know that until you open your mouth and share it with this next generation that's coming up behind you. And too often, I think a lot of times people, especially firm leaders in the design space, because they're so self-deprecating in a lot of ways. I mean, they sell themselves short. They sell their experiences short and people want to hear those stories, I believe. Yeah. Definitely. And there may be more organized ways to mentor people through lunch and learns and, and other, other techniques like that. But, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to comment on with your point is that people do get overwhelmed with how busy everybody is right now. And they just let things continue, even though what they're continuing with is driving them crazy. And very often, if you just take a little bit of time out and fix some of these things, you'll find that in the long run, it saves you a ton of time. And it reduces the amount of problems and rework and issues that you have. Um, and also, in, you know, helps improve employee performance and retention. So it's worth it to spend the time on your business to fix some of these things. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, it, it's, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. When you think of most engineers and architects in our space and any other design professionals would be mortified on any project that they're working on, if, if they had shortcomings in their design, right, that, that, yeah. you know, for a client that they're serving. But yet, internally, they, they don't take the time and the effort and the attention to detail that they, that they put on, on everything else that they do on their work product that they put out to the client. Because, you know, that's the thing that I'm always telling design professionals. I'm like, listen, you guys sell yourselves short all the time. What you do is so important to the world, let alone, I mean, anybody that's part of, you know, designing and maintaining and continuing to build the built environment has a huge role in society. And I think a lot of times engineers and architects sometimes lose sight of that, the importance of it. But then you take that and juxtapose it with what they do with their own internal firms. And you and I, have we've seen, you know, we've seen train, slow, train wrecks in slow motion on a regular basis when it comes to how a lot of these design firms run their organizations. and. Again, this is not a commercial for why design professional or design leader needs to go out and hire a consultant. But just like people come to you for help, you need to go to somebody to get some help because I think it's you can't do it by yourself. And what you do is so important that if you're not taking the time out to figure out how to serve the needs of all of the people on your team, not just yourselves, but all the people on your team, you're you're missing out on a on a a real a real good opportunity to. Have to, uh, to grow your organization. Definitely. 
I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't think you would, you would look any other way as far as that's <laughs> concerned. So, well, well, why don't you, I mean, you get into, and I think we've both spent a lot of time at a lot of conference tables and a lot of board meetings and a lot of other rooms within design firms. You know, we're, we're, you know, a penny for your thoughts about where you see the industry headed in the next three to five years. I think technology is changing a lot. AI is, is, is playing a, a great role in that. You're starting to see design firms that are, that are outsourcing a lot of their design work to other parts of the world where that work can get done while these guys are asleep. And then when they get back in the morning, they have a complete set of drawings that they can then move on and double check and do QA, QC on them. I'm just curious to think, what are your thoughts? And, and again, like I said, you've, you've seen several iterations of this industry. I've seen a couple. Things have dramatically changed. I'm constantly telling people that are in this space now that are you know, a couple of years out of school that this isn't how the design space was even in the late 90s or early 2000s. It's changed a lot. And I think it's going to change at an even faster pace in the next few years. And I'm just curious as, as to where, where you see that change happening and what, you know, what are you hearing from the people that you're contacting and coming in contact with at these design firms? Sure. Well, you know, I, you're talking about a lot of the change that's going on with technology on the design and the technical side of what the firms do. But I think if you step back and look at how running an A&E firm business, which is where my expertise and my focus is, I don't really think it has changed that much in even the last 30 years. And I think that's part of the problem. Many firms are too slow to change and they get caught up in not having enough diversity in their people, in their projects, in their clients. They don't know how to differentiate themselves. If you look at industries outside of the A&E industry that are also very busy, like the tech industry, you look at what's going on in Silicon Valley where they can't find experienced software engineers. They're, they're basically having the same type of experience as the A&E firms are, but they've been much more creative with their recruiting, their, the way that they that they've been going after people. They're also very much more ahead of the curve in terms of using technology for marketing. And I just feel like a firm that can jump ahead of their competitors on the business side of things and really stand out, really stand out as being different than the rest are going to attract the best employees and the best clients going forward. Uh, those firms that continue to want to do commodity work and fight clients over low fee jobs, those firms aren't, I, I don't see how they can survive long term. And unfortunately, you know, the recession that we had 10 years ago really hurt so many firms, not just back then, but continue to keep hurting them because they keep continuing with some of the same practices of letting clients dictate the low fees giving discounts, doing a lot of write-offs, not letting clients raise their rates appropriately. If, you're, if your salaries and benefits are going up, you have to raise your rates appropriately. And even considering how busy many firms are these days, they're still not keeping up with that. And so I think the opportunity, the great opportunity is for these firms to disrupt themselves and reinvent themselves from the inside out 
and stop being like every other firm. I think that's really where the opportunity lies going forward. And I don't really think there's a lot they have to do in order to get there because they are, many of them, they're not using inbound marketing. They don't use creative pricing strategies. They don't, there's just so, so many areas that uh, customer service, that's a whole nother area. Having professional sales teams, that's a whole nother area. I could go on and on. I, on a daily basis, see so many areas where A&E firms can just jump ahead of the competition by just letting go of the old way and really embracing some new things. Yeah. And again, I mean, there, there are so many directions that we could go with this because, you know, you could, you just said a few things like inbound marketing. And I mean, that's a huge one in and of itself. You know, maybe at some point in time, these design firms will use marketing funnels to generate new business and not just the old way of, you know, going out and knocking on doors. I mean, that's part of it. But nowadays, technology affords you the ability to be in multiple places at one time and to tell your story to any and everyone that will listen. And that's the other thing, too, is I think design professionals need to become better storytellers of the services that they offer. And thought um, leaders. And thought well. leaders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, and because, it, it, you know, I got to tell you, if I go into another meeting where I get killed death by PowerPoint with a bunch of slides of one spreadsheet after another, in 10 point font type that I can't read anyway. It's just, you know, we've got to figure out a better way to extend the brands of these organizations and to extend the ideas of the services and problems that they're trying to solve. Because every engineer and architect, every design professional is solving a problem. If you get better at telling the story of how you solve the problem, why that problem exists, and how you can help that individual overcome that problem, You'll sell a lot more work and uh, you'll be in a position to, to turn away work. And I think that's an enviable position. And we, I've seen, I've had clients and I've seen some firms that are at a place where they can just say no to a client because they have, they have enough work. And a lot of firms are just not in that position because they've got to pay the bills and they haven't taken the time to set themselves up to be in a position to say no from time to time when they need to. Yeah, well, one of the culture traps in my book is says all clients are good clients. And we all know that's not true. No, no. But we treat them all the same. Yeah. And we work just as hard to get a, a terrible client as we do to spend time and nurture the relationship with our best clients. And, and right there, that's an opportunity to turn things around in the company. Yeah. I mean, the client isn't always right. And a client can be fired. But the other thing that I say, the flip side of that too, is, is just, as I tell people the importance of communication and why it's important to build relationships is that clients that are friends don't fire firms. So if I'm, if I'm a, a design professional and I have a firm and I'm working with clients that I genuinely have relationship with and that we have friendship with, it's hard for me to get fired by them. And if there's ever a problem, you're going to see it well in advance of anything coming to a point of dissolution. And I think a lot of times firms miss out on that and they are treated pretty uh, binary in terms of uh, the work. It's like, well, you know what? This isn't working out. We're just going to cut our losses and move on. That doesn't happen in real relation when real relationships and friendships are built. And I think firms could take a note from that idea and mindset of, you know, try to work with I mean, yeah, people want to work with people that they like. We know that. But when you go out and look at a client and work with them, you want to build a strong 
foundational relationship. That's not a quid pro quo of what can you do for me, but it's where you're giving even more than you're taking. And that will, that in and of itself can create some security, certainly when it comes to the downturns in the market, because people will bend over backwards to try to keep you and retain your services and the things that you offer if they like you and they have a relationship with you. Yeah, definitely. So it's huge. Well, I mean, so so what's the latest greatest happening with you? Where do, where are you working on right now? This is I mean, you were halfway through this year. I know that you've been pretty busy. We've had a hard time connecting the last few times that I've tried to reach out for you, but but how do you see this year ending up, 2019? I mean, we're we're one one year away from an election year. Wow, yeah. Well, so, um we're working on some really exciting things. You know, we what we do is we we do the assessment and then we help, we have a training program to train our A&E professionals on how to run a business more profitably. And that's going really well. We have a lot of new clients. But what we discovered, what we discovered was that our clients are struggling in developing processes. And when we go into most firms, and this even includes some very, very large firms that we've worked with, they really don't have uh, processes that are documented. And so what ends up happening is that all their employees are kind of doing things differently. And there's a lot of inconsistency and inconsistent client service across the organization. So we're actually developing a new, a new tool to help our clients document processes. And I'm very, very excited about it. It's, it's, very, it's going to solve a huge problem in the industry. There's nothing like it out there. And the uh, reason that a lot of firms don't document their processes is they don't know how to. And it's a lot of work. And so we're going to be giving them these tools and templates and checklists and, and other things that will enable them to quickly document their processes and have libraries of processes that they can use to train their employees and onboard people and, and roll out, you know, better best practices across their organization. So that's one really exciting thing that I'm working on right now. And, um, and then we have our AEC Profitability Summit in September, which is a, an event where we get a lot of uh, A&E firm leaders together and we help them figure out how they're going to increase their profits in the coming year. So I'm working hard on that, that as well. Where is that going to be held and what are the dates for that event? That is September 11th and 12th in uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, which is okay. where, near where I live. And uh, near Washington, D.C. And uh, we already have a, a lot of great firms coming to it. And uh, it's not a huge event. It's small enough that, you know, maybe 7,500 people that where we can, people get a chance to meet a lot of great people and work together closely and collaboratively. And uh, everybody gets to leave with a, a profitability plan of what they're going to do over the next year to increase their profit. So uh, it's our third time doing this, and it's been very successful. And so it is a lot of work for me, though. So I'm going to be oh, working sure. on that all I'm summer sure. long. <laughs> no, that's great. And and certainly this podcast will come out before then. But even if it's even if you are listening to this after that date in September of 2019, I'm sure that you can always reach out to June to learn more about what they're doing and how she can help you restore your your organization of profitability, if that is one of the challenges that you have, or even still, if you if you just want to figure out a better way to engage your employees and to build a stronger team, because culture is everything in this space. And, you know, June and her team can definitely help you out with that. And 
you know, give you some insight or at least answer some questions. So I would certainly encourage you to reach out and check them out. They are at aecbusiness.com and you can find out more information about the summit and everything else that's happening within their organization. And so I, I certainly want to encourage our listeners to take advantage of that because uh, June is a great resource for this industry. And she's probably forgotten more than a lot of us know about how to do things the right way. And so I think that is um, that she's got a very sustainable model for how she can help firms grow. And if nothing else, it's always worth a phone call, always worth a conference call to get on the phone and learn a little bit more about ways that you can improve your situation. It doesn't take much, but you have to make that first step. So we certainly want to encourage you. Any final thoughts, June, before we uh, we close this episode of Encourage, Build, Grow? Thank you so much, Randy, for for this great conversation. You and I are definitely on the same page. And I, I just hope all the listeners out there will really think about just continuous improvement. That's kind of where I want to leave you all. Just Think about how you can always be getting better because that's what it's going to take going forward to be competitive. Yes, absolutely. I I call it the, uh, and and of course, you know, the business terminology, the Kaizen approach, what Mr. Toyota created, where there was just just consistent improvement little by little. And that's actually why I don't have it on today, but I walk around with with a t-shirt on. I actually had a bunch of them printed out and it says, get 1% better every day. You just need to constantly improve. 1% improvement a day after the, over the course of a year is huge. And a lot of times I think for firms, and I'll end with this thought, the idea of change, the idea of fixing what's wrong with an organization for a lot of individuals, it's overwhelming. But you have to start somewhere and you know try small steps, baby steps. And ultimately, that will build up. And you'll see that over time, you're like, wow, okay, I didn't realize it. I thought we had a long way to go. But because we have been consistently trying to improve, we've actually gotten better. And now we can see the residual benefits of that. So I just want to encourage you, you're not alone in this situation. So please uh, feel free, uh, as always, to reach out to us. And I'll make sure that all of June's contact information are in the show notes for this particular episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. And as always, you can check us out online at encouragebuildgrow.com. We want to see the design industry continue to flourish, continue to do the amazing things that they're doing, but without some of the dysfunction that exists internally within our organization. So June, thanks again so much for being on this episode. We really appreciate it. Folks, that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. We will be back with another great guest, another great conversation, and something that will help you as you continue to grow in your internally in your organization or externally as you work with clients, and especially in the areas of leadership development, communication, and personal development as you continue to get better and better at what you do. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you soon. Bye for now. 